Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray, and to give more than either we desire or deserve. Pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things which we are not worthy to ask, but through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is taken from the book of Joshua, chapter 24, beginning at the first verse. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the, the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us all along the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land, Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. The reading is taken from John chapter 6, verses 56 to 69. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning 
which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. People often say that it's only when trouble strikes that they discover what really matters to them. That can sound trite, but I think it's true. Difficult times shake us out of our complacency. They force us to re-evaluate our priorities. Many of the people of Afghanistan have had to do that in very dramatic and terrifying ways this week. We've all seen on the news the crowds desperately trying to leave, prepared to abandon homes, jobs and a land they love, often with only the clothes they stand up in rather than submit to the rule of the Taliban. Their safety, their freedom, their opportunities to be educated and to work, especially for women and girls, are worth more to them than all they're leaving behind. They're letting go of things that seemed precious to them so they can hold on to the things they value the most. Refugees throughout history and across the world now have had to make that same difficult choice. As words from a poem by the Kenyan-born Somali poet Warshan Shear say, No one leaves home unless home is the mouth of a shark. No one puts their children in a boat unless the water is safer than the land. Most of us will never have to face choice as stark as that. All we can do is pray for and welcome those who do and who make it to our shores. But there are times in everyone's life when familiar landmarks are swept away and we find ourselves out on a journey we wouldn't freely have chosen. Illness, bereavement, redundancy, relationship breakdown can all strip our lives back to the bone, revealing what's really vital to us. The last 18 months or so have done that on a large scale as we've gone through this pandemic. Everyone's had a different experience, of course, but all of us have suffered losses of some sort, as well as the loss of more than 130,000 precious lives in the UK. People have lost jobs, businesses and educational opportunities. The pandemic have robbed people of physical and mental health and taken away precious time which won't come again. Time with family members who are growing up or growing old. It's left us with scars that we'll carry forever. But many of us have also learned what we really treasure in this time. What really helps us when our backs are against the wall. Things we might not have been able to learn any other way. It sounds as if Simon Peter had also made a discovery like that. From the sound of today's Gospel reading. Lord, to whom can we go, he says. You have the words of eternal life. He always sounds rather resigned to me. He's not sure he wants to be where he is. Following Jesus is turning out to be more complicated and costly than he'd anticipated. 
but he's come to realise that he's found something in Jesus which he can't find anywhere else. Today's Gospel reading is the last in a series which all followed on from the story of the feeding of the 5,000 in John's Gospel. It all seemed so easy at the beginning. The crowd had followed Jesus out into a deserted spot and listened to him eagerly until their stomachs started rumbling. Now what were Jesus and the disciples going to do? Fortunately, the day was saved by a small child with a packed lunch. Five loaves and two fishes which he or she was eager to donate. And Jesus did the rest. The crowd went home with their bellies filled. But the next day they came back looking for more. Well, you would, wouldn't you? If there was, after all, such a thing as a free lunch, why shouldn't there be another one? But that's where it all started to get complicated. Jesus didn't just want to feed people for a day. He wanted to give them food that would last them for eternity. A new way of life lived with him and in him, which would satisfy their truest, deepest hungers. That's what Simon Peter means when he talks about the words of eternal life. It's not a ticket to heaven when you die for him. It's a new quality of life now. Meaning, worth and the strength that comes from knowing that God loves him and will never leave him. This life is eternal because even death can't take it from him. He's discovered that he's always in the loving presence of God, held in his hands and that those hands will never let him go. It doesn't mean that his life will be easy, but it does mean that it will be worth living. For many in the crowd, though, this is all a step too far. Trotting along for a free fish roll is one thing. Opening themselves up to the change this preacher says they'll need in the long term is quite another. Jesus uses language which is meant to be shocking. Whoever eats me will live because of me, he says. Now that's a statement that needs a lot of unpacking, but most of the crowd don't want to stick around to find out more. They start to ebb away. And maybe that's not surprising. It sounds like Jesus is advocating cannibalism. But I think they know perfectly well that's not really what he's suggesting. I think the real reason they head for the hills is that they can hear that he's calling them to a commitment that they don't feel ready to make. The closeness they'll need if they're going to find the strength to live as they should. His cannibalistic imagery was designed to ram home the message that we are what we eat. If we want to be Christ-like, if we want to live with the joy, the assurance and the generosity we see in Jesus, we need to take him right into ourselves. It's not just a matter of putting on our Sunday best so we look good on the outside. It's a matter of letting Christ change us on the inside too learning to forgive and be forgiven, to love those who are different from us, to trust God and turn to him day by day. John's Gospel was written many decades after the events it describes. It came out of the experience of the Christian communities it was written for, as those early followers of Jesus looked back on all they'd gone through, their own struggle in the midst of persecution to live in the light of Jesus' teaching 
his life, his death, his resurrection. Peter's words reflect what they'd learned through that process. It might sometimes be tough, unimaginably tough, but it was worth it. That's what they'd discovered. Jesus had spoken words of eternal life, which made their lives worth living for all the hardship they'd endured. In our Old Testament reading, Joshua was also looking back on a hard journey. He was the leader who'd taken over from Moses and led the people of Israel out of the desert into the Promised Land after their 40-year journey out of slavery in Egypt. Now that they'd reached their new home, though, what would happen? Would they forget who it was who'd brought them there? Joshua called them to recognise who had given them life and strength, who had rescued them, God himself, and to hold on to the lessons they'd learned, because he knew that their need for God's help hadn't ended when they crossed the River Jordan. In fact, it was just beginning. Today, as we look at our own lives and our own journeys, our own losses and gains, let's pray that God will give us grace to hear and to hold on to the words of eternal life that he speaks to us, the things we need to cling to, whatever else is stripped away, so that we can live as the people he calls us to be. Amen. And so as we bring our prayers to God, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.